Okay, welcome all to Chukas 572. We have a lot of dedications and our learning today, and we're going to learn a gem, a, a priceless gem from the mind of my grandfather. And the learning is uh, has many, many, many dedications for um, uh, for many good reasons. Miri Goldberg on her grandfather's yard said on the 5th of Av, his name is Mordechai Eliezer Ben, Mordechai Eliezer Ben Avramzev. Also dedicated to success in Chinuch for my children and all the children of Chalishal. Amen, Miri. Ayala Jacobs for Zivog Hogan for Sarah Mushka Bas Shifra. Amen. Michal Wixen, in memory of her father, Mayor Ben Yitzchak, whose yartet is the 14th of Thomas. Michal Wixen, Le'ilu Nishmas, her father. Okay, Mayor means that we have that. Gila Tashman, in memory of Bastia Gitzel Bas Moshe Aaron. Aliza Richter for Zivag Hogan for Naomi Settle Bas Sara and Mary Mifka Bas Rezel. Chani Machmacher for Rafuot and Yeshuos for all who need. <laughs> Julie Pokayev for the Zuchos of all her children to make proper Shaduchim and live purposeful lives. Amen. We have a Shaduchim chat. Remind me to say something about that afterwards. Rifki Youngways for Rafuot Shlemer for Rav Godol, Yehuda Ben Rezel. And this has been a name that we've had for a while. Should have. You know, we should hear good news, Bekarov. Cyril Shafrin, Rafur Shlemu for Pestel Bas Razel. Okay. Your money goes for tzedakah, very good causes, often causes of for people in our learning circle. All right. Our question today, and I was going through my old notes on Chukas, all the Verishirim. There's a lot of good topics going back to 2013. That's, that's okay. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of good topics that it's worth it if you're bored to go listen to the, some of the old Sherm. Um, uh, Tanya also, if you'd like this, okay, we can put it on the chats. Tanya, of course, has a Zoom Sherm links and a Parsha archive links document. Parsha's, you know, you know, organized by Parsha going back a lot of years. So uh, you can find a specific Parsha, specific topic, and you can also get the digest of all the things we've been doing in the last few years. All right, here we go. Today's class, so, so finally. Hitting Moshe, hitting the rock. Okay. Our question is what happened there? Okay. Now we have to know that the simple reading of the puzzle, all right, with Rashi, even Rambam, all right, the Pshat, it's, it, it, it sounds like Moshe was angry. Now, Moshe was frustrated, Moshe was angry. Now, Rashi says it. The thing is like this. You have to understand that Amaforshim, Rambam goes a little deeper. They don't write in essay form. And Rashi's, every Pirish has a purpose, has an agenda. Rashi's agenda is just keep on reading, keep on reading, keep on reading. He wants the Torah to be a mikra. You can be able to read it and it should make sense. Because a lot of the way the Torah is written, you get stuck. There's so many like red flags. Like, what does this mean? Why is this here? How come this is repeated? Uh-oh, Torah anytime's not on. It died? I charged it. What does that mean? No, economy mode, I think, is okay. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, um, so, so what we're going to do now is we're going to keep that in the back of our minds that what sort of frustration, so to speak, did Moshe have? And, uh, but let's go a little bit deeper because, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu just getting angry. Okay, we have to put that in context. And this is very important to, the, the, to understand the gap here in the Parshas. 
The gap is that Parsha's Korach and the Miraglim and the Misononim and the Mon and the all that stuff we've just been learning about happened in the first and second year. We haven't heard a peep, and now it's the fourth year, the 40th year, the 40th year. The ensuing 38 years between those stories and this, everything is quiet. Everything is perfect. There's absolutely no drama. There's no issues. Suddenly, we're at the 40th year. The Jewish people are about to enter into Eretz Yisrael, and something happens. And what happens is very unexpected. Suddenly, more, Miriam dies, and there's no water again. Now, we know how this played out 40 years earlier when the people were just coming out of Mitzrayim and they were slaves and they were provided for by their masters because their masters wanted them to work, right? And they were probably threatened, if you don't do this, you won't get water and you won't get you know, food and you won't get bricks, and right? Now, 40 years later, they're living off the mun. They're living a miraculous existence. They're learning and understanding about God. They live in a, surrounded by miracles, the Ananim. Suddenly Mir, Moshe, Miriam dies, okay? And the water of the Be'er dries up. Now, now what, 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 why did Hashem do that? What was the purpose? Why, what was the goal of challenging them again? And that's really our question also. And let's look at the reaction of the people and the reaction of Moshe. We must go super carefully through the Pesukim here, okay? To really start to sort out what happened and what's the message. <laughs> Okay, and by reading deeply, we have we get a whole other insight that is so relevant to not just leadership, but to our own self development. Okay, so there's no water. Okay, now this is what happens is like thinking, what was Moshe thinking? What were they thinking? How did this all go so badly? You know, by Yavo B'nai Yisrael Kol Ha'eda. There's an emphasis here on Kol Ha'eda, as we'll see later. The whole congregation, meaning everybody together who had lived the last 38, nine years in the desert together in this miraculous state of one mind, right? They came uh, to Midbar Sin in the first month. That's always which month? Nisan for Jewish people. Miriam dies. So everybody is equally um, equally meritorious, everybody is alive, everybody de deserves to go into Eretz Yisrael at this point. Okay, and there was no water for the Ada. What did Hashem, why was Hashem doing this? They come to Moshe Aaron. And they start quarreling with Moshe. And they said the following, we should have died in the desert like our brother brethren did. Okay. Why did you bring us to this midbar? I mean, they didn't just get to the midbar. Okay. To kill all of us, have us all die here and our animals, animals. Balama, look at this interesting language. Helisanu mimitzrayim. This is a code. What do they? What? Do, how do we normally talk about Yitzias Mitzrayim? No, instead of Alias Mitzrayim, we call it Yitzias Mitzrayim. It's a very rare that the Torah switches to call it Alias that you took us up from Eretz Mitzrayim. So he says, Olam Helisanu mimitzrayim. Why did you bring us up from Mitzrayim? to bring us to this terrible place. It's not a, it's not a, um, 
it's not a it's not a um what's the word zera it's not a place of grain growing and figs and vines and pomegranate vamayim ain lishtos and there's no water to drink by the way what do you normally put first when you have no food or no water what's water is more important right okay they come to the front of the Mishkan. They fall on their faces. We're talking about, obviously, they enter into a state of nevuah. Okay? Now, these words, carefully. Go take the mate. You guys, give me questions. Which mate? Second of all, you all know the rest of the story. He's supposed to speak to the rock. So what's Why? your question? Why do you need a mate? He's, we all know this. Okay. And you should gather everyone. It must be Aaron and Moshe. Why? Okay. And speak to the rock, the mountain, to their eyes. They almost <laughs> see this. And it's going to give forth its water. And you speak to it. What is Moshe supposed to say to it? What is Moshe supposed to be saying to the rock? So the so Mepharshim say he's supposed to teach something. Some say he's supposed to be mispalal Hashem, please bring forth water. He's supposed to speak. Um, he's supposed to speak to the rock about some sort of tefillah or some sort of concept in which it would bring. It would respond by letting the water flow. But what is this language? But Nasan Maimov, it's going to give forth its water. Now look at the next words. What does that mean? And you shall draw out for them water from the rock. Didn't it just say Vanasan Maimov? It's going to give forth its waters. So what's Moshe getting involved here? What does Moshe have to do? And what do those words mean? You will make them drink. You will cause them to drink. You will take water and make them drink. What is this talking about? The Aspiram and also their animals. Okay, keep going. So now we know that this there's a mata that's called mata that is milifne Hashem. It's a particular mata. Anybody have an idea which one it is? Huh? The one we learned about in the last parsha in Korach 38 years ago that in order to prove that Aaron was the selected one, all the Shvatim had to give a mate and they put him in the Kodesh HaKadashim and they put they, they saw which one flowered and Aaron's flowered and it was reserved in the Kodesh HaKadashim Mi Lifnei Hashem or Lifnei Hashem since then, okay? And Moshe did this Kasher Tzivahu as Hashem commanded him. Obviously as Hashem commanded him. What do you think this means? This part he did. This part he did as Hashem commanded him. Now, what happened? Moshe and Aaron gathered them in front of the rock. Listen here, you Morim. Now, this is where the Mepharshim say he got angry. There's a machlokas. There's, was, his, was, his, was he not allowed to go into Israel because he called them Morim, rebellious ones? Or what was it? So we have to understand, where do you get this terminology from? Okay. Hamin hasela hazeh notzi lachemayim. Now Moshe asked the question. Very odd. From this rock, will we, me and Aaron, take water out for you? Do you think me and Aaron are going to stand here and extract water from this rock for you? Moshe yado. 
He lifted his hand. He hits the rock. Now, what does it say? Well, what about Bimatehu? His staff. This is not the same staff. He hits it with his own staff, Pa'amayim, twice. Vayetsu Mayim Rabim, lots of water came out. And what happened? Did Moshe cause anyone to drink? Yeah. And everybody just drank. Now, this again. What is it? You didn't have Emuna. Where was the lack of Emuna? Moshe didn't have Emuna. How is even a concept possible? Remember in the same Torah, it says, Behold, Basi, Neman, who Hashem didn't go back and retract that, scratch it out and say, Actually, he's not the most Neman because he didn't have Emuna. He's still the most Neman. How could it even be conceived that Moshe didn't have Emuna? What does that words mean? How do you think about those words? What, what context you put them in? They make absolutely, they, they're, Incom incomprehensible. Moshe didn't have a moon in Hashem. Lahak disheni to sanctify me. So, had you spoken, would have been a greater sign of a moon. Why? You would say because speaking. If Hashem, if the rock responds to speaking, it's a greater nace than a rock responding to hitting. You should have had a moon. Like what is it? They are not the Eidah, they're B'nai Yisrael. Therefore, you will not you will not bring them in, cause them to come into the land that I've given them. Then, the, then this whole story ends. These are the waters of quarreling. That Hashem the Bnei Yisrael quarreled with, quarreled with Hashem Kadesh Bam, and he was, there was something that happened, probably Moshe not going to Eretz Yisrael, that caused Hashem to have, to have greater Kedusha. Okay, questions. Emphasis on the Matev. Number one, why take it if the mitzvah was to speak to the rock? We all, you guys got that one. Okay. Why is there a separate Pasuk about taking the Maka? Pasuk 9. There's this whole puzzle that Moshe went and took the Mata like Hashem commanded him. Special emphasis. Okay. What is the meaning of me lifnei Hashem? We said that it was in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's called lifnei Hashem. Um, this, this, uh, there, I asked here a question that uh, I wasn't going to go into. There's another place where, where Moshe refers to Amisrol and Devarim as Mamrim Atem. You were Mamrim, same type of language. He doesn't get chastised there. Why is he chastised here for calling them B'nai Meri, Shemuna, Shemuna Hamorim? Okay. What exactly is the lack of a munari being referred to in Pasuk 12? Why is Aaron punished along with Moshe? Why the switch from Yitziah to Aliyah? Okay. Why, why is there special mention of the cattle separately? When the people say, Hashem says to Moshe, rather, take out, you should cause them to drink and cause, and you should bring, it says the mortar, water will come out. And then you should take out water, and then you should cause them to drink, and also their animals. What is? It? And then when it when the water actually comes out, it says It's like lumps them together, them and their animals drunk together, drank together. It doesn't separate the animals from the people. Okay. So in order to understand this, we got to have two keys. Two keys to this: the mata key and the drinking key. The mataki, this key, this mata comes from last week's parsha, which happens to be 38 years earlier. Okay. Pasuk, chapter 17, 
Okay, Yud Yud Zayin in Pesukim Chav Hei Chav Vav. Vayomer Shem El Moshe. Hashev es Mata Aaron. Okay, here's Aaron. Aaron's involved here. This is Mata Aaron. Aaron has something to do here. Go and place Aaron's matha, that flower, in the challenge, as we spoke about, between the, all the heads of all the shvatim of, you know, which staff would flower. Place it lifnei ha'edus. What's the edus? What's the edus? What's the edus, though? The aron, with the, with the luchos ha'edus in the aron, aron ha'edus. Put it in front of the aron. Okay, so it's lifnei ha'edus. It's lifnei. This is lifnei Hashem. This is in the Kodesh Hakadoshim. Now look at the next words. What does it say? What is the purpose of this staff? What role does it play? Why is it sitting there? When do you go get it? What's it for? What are the words? Lemishmeres. It's preserved there. Lishmora, right? Lishmira Shabbos to preserve. Laos libnei Mary. What does that mean? It's a sign for who? If they ever behave as B'nai Mary, children of Merida, rebellion, take out this, this staff, show it to them. And what's supposed to, when they see it, what's supposed to happen? Remember, these are the people that lived the 40 years. They, they, they didn't die in the midbar. So they saw the whole Korach incident and they're still alive. Okay, so they were young. So what are they supposed to remember when they see it? Whoa, settle down, settle down. Whatever is happening is Alpi Hashem. If there's a reason that there's no water, don't attack Motion Aaron and say, Why did you bring us to this desert? We should have all died. You want to kill us all here? You're fakes. You can't accomplish your task. You're just, you know, you're just a, you know, uh, whatever they, whatever their complaint was. Stop. If, if something's happening, it's Alpi Hadibur, because Hashem is doing it on purpose. There's a deeper reason for this. Take it easy. Now, when they see the staff, people that understand the message are going to calm down. And what's going to happen next? Hashem, this is a promise. What is the promise here? Look at the next words. What does it mean? Their complaints will stop. They'll, they'll stop their complaints. Techal is really like like they themselves will destroy their complaints. Okay, they'll they'll rethink their whole position. And what's the next words? Below Yamusu, and they won't die. Trust the Mata. Okay, when they see it, they are going to realize that they're 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 they you know they're lost and they have to kind of reframe, stop attacking Moshe. This is a terrible mistake. Understand and try thinking, what does Hashem want us to do now? Like what are we supposed to do now when there's no water? Okay, by the way. There were going to be many times in Eretz Yisrael where there was no rain, and they were about to go into Eretz Yisrael, right? They were growing up. They were going from infancy, nursing, being protected, miracles, to a lesser degree of that same protection from infancy to childhood, right? To a, but more responsibility. They had a plant. They had a. They had to daven. They weren't going to be living by man and the bear anymore. Okay, the their, the rain would fall based on their merit. It wasn't guaranteed anymore. They were growing up a little bit. They were being asked to take responsibility, right? So you have to think about that differently now. So Hashem says, though they're going to take the, they're going to get it and they're going to stop complaining and they're not going to die. Okay. 
So what does it says? And then it says there, Vayas Moshe Kasher Tziva Hashem. This is going back to Korah. Vayas Moshe Kasher Tziva Hashem. Moshe did what Hashem asked. He put the, uh, the Mata in the Kodesh Kedashem. Cain um, also. Why is that being repeated? He, that's what he did. He put it in the Kodesh Kedashem like he was supposed to. Cain also. He did that. My grandfather's going to explain, implying that that he did, but he didn't do the rest right. He made it, he chose to do something different. That's why there's a repetition. So we start reading deeply, all right? And um, here we get to D, the big question. What was Moshe thinking? Why did he do the right thing? He went to get the mata. He picked it up and he said, Shimu Nahamorim. Wait, that's okay. Because the, the mata is called Os Libnei Meri. That's what it is. It's saying, guys, listen, look. Remember this? Stop. Remember what? Don't, don't, don't go down this road. He picked it up and he showed it to them. But then everything changed. And he said, and he said, I'm not going to bring out water for you. So what, what happened right there? Okay. And my grandfather in, in the Mayan base of Shueva uh, asked the following question. If you say that Moshe got angry, like the shot seems to be simple, simple angry, like ego angry, like frustration angry, like I can't take it anymore angry. You know, that's, there's a lot of forms of frustration, okay? The simplest one is you're so annoying, I can't take you people, what's wrong with you? You know, that's like gut reaction, completely unevolved anger. There's also much more sophisticated forms of frustration, okay? We have another rule, which is called in Pirkei Avos 518, you know, if this is viewed as a chet, you gotta be very, very careful. A person who's mezake the rabim, we have a promise, he, he does not cause chatoim. A person who's truly mezake really causes merit to come to the masses, means elevates them spiritually. The shame shamayim really creates the chuyos for the rabim, opportunities for people to grow legitimately, L'shem Shemayim, without any personal agenda. He's not going to be the same person that's going to cause them to sin. He's not going to be, no, I would say it differently. He's not going to be a vehicle for sin. It's a period that call ha-mezakes ha-rabim. He's not going to be the person that was going to be the source of sin. So it's very hard to say that Moshe did a chait here. And yet the language in the Torah, Shem says, you didn't have emunah in me. And you're not going to touch the soul. So what's the chait here? Okay, what happened here? So let's read carefully. We already stressed that Moshe went to get the mata that was Lifnei Hashem. That was Aaron's mata. Okay, it was called Os Libnei Meri. He understood its purpose. It was exactly what he started to do. Show it to them. Say, look, guys. Okay. However, let's focus on these strange words that Hashem said and that Moshe said. Hashem said to him, Hishkisa es ha'am, you shall cause them to drink. And then Moshe said, do you think me and Aaron are going to bring out water from this rock? Mm -mm -mm. I'm not getting involved. When Hashem said, the water is going to give forth water, the rock is going to give forth water. But then you, you, Moshe, personally, separately, you're going to extract water. And then Moshe said, I am not going to extract water. If the water wants to come out of the rock, but I am not getting involved here. Okay. 
So what was Moshe thinking? So again, go back to Pasuk Aleph of this parrot. This is Kol Ha'eda, the congregation in its entirety. This is Moshe had worked for 40 years. You know, Moshe is called Rabbeinu, Rebbe. So what do you think Moshe was doing for 40 years? Teaching. And how do you teach? You repeat yourself endlessly. You find new ways to express yourself. You explain it to people who don't understand. You answer endless amounts of questions. Okay? Moshe was teaching. That's what he was doing. And he was, he, was, he, was, he was developing this nation. He was shepherding them. And it was, they were right about to go into Eretz The whole people, like his, he had, the, the, you know, the, the fruits of his labor were right in front of him. And then this ha happens, okay? So, um, and then they say to him, why did you bring us up from Egypt? Now, you know what the word Aliyah means instead of Yitzia? My grandfather's a very sharp comment on a different Rashi from a different time. In the time of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, remember it says regarding Benesol, Hamushim Alumina Aret, and everybody says, what is Hamushim? And Rashi brings four fifths, one fifth left, and four fifths died in Egypt. And my grandfather there says, let's, you know, Hazal. Hazal have to be understood. Everything is a deeper message. If you even think about it literally, you know they were not being literal. Because if 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60 came out of Egypt, and then count the children and the women, you're talking about a nation of 2 million. If that was one-fifth, you think there were 10 million Jews in Egypt? You think there were 10 million people in Egypt? Did the whole world have more than 15 million people? It's not possible. So my grandfather says, Four-fifths never left Egypt means, oh, physically they walked out of Egypt, but they didn't leave Egypt. They didn't leave the Egyptian mindset. That's all it meant. They never left Mitzrayim. They never left the confines of survivor mode, of what you want to call slave mentality, of the lifestyle, the, the assimilation that had happened there. They really didn't break out of it. Not everybody <laughs> broke out of it. Similar to today. Okay, many people could leave America, go to Israel. Doesn't mean they're leaving the West, you know, the, the mindset. Okay. So when they say Helisanu, why did you bring us up versus Hotsianu takes out? Helisanu is you, you elevated us. Moshe, you've been spending 40 years elevating us to a higher Madriga. You didn't just take us out of Egypt. You've been teaching us how to totally change our mindset. You've been showing us a completely different way of thinking about our life, our purpose, our existence, our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? You have been showing us what we're supposed to do with, that, with our resources, our priorities are supposed to be. And you know what they say? Why have you done this? Why have you taken us up? Now, why are they having this outburst right now? Okay, there's no water. But when there's no water, you realize that now what's required, you're about to go into the shoal. There's not going to be a bear either. Okay, It's also going to be water from the heavens if you deserve it, the rain. And if you don't, yeah, guess what's going to happen? What happens in Eretz Yisrael when there's no water? What do the people do? Right. You daven. So people are saying, why did you take us up? You're, you're now, we're about to transition into a, a whole other level where we have to like worry about our food. And if our Hashem doesn't give us rain, we're going to have to daven do tshuva, like it's a hot, like we don't want to live like, you know, can't we just be in survival mode like we were in Egypt where you just get your physical needs met and you don't have to think about God. Like this is a higher madriga. 
you know, and obviously Hashem is testing us like right now. He's giving us a little foreshadowing, okay, of like what it's going to be like, how we should dive in, how we shouldn't just, but, in, you know, and this is stressful. So they revert back to like, it's your fault, do something. Instead of understanding, you know, and they know, they do understand this is requiring, you know, drawing on all our spiritual muscles to like rise to the occasion and be calm and be misfallel. And like, it's, it's a high madriga that it's, it's stressful. It's too much for us, you know? So Moshe hears that. And then he hears Moshe say, take, he hears Hashem say, take the mata, hold it up. And you know what? Basically those that regroup, that get a hold of themselves, they're not going to die. But what about all the other people that don't get a hold of themselves? What's going to happen to them? What are the people that just keep fighting? There was always that element. So I said, that's, so first of all, the Tates, you're going to speak to the rock. We're going to get to the speaking part and the water's going to come out. But you know, that staff you're holding, that's like, take it easy, stop complaining. The ones that don't stop complaining, that's the ones you're going to bring water out for. And you're going to cause them to drink. Look at Avodazar. By the Egel, Moshe ground up the calf, intending only to inspect them like a sota. Two cases in the Torah. Chet Egel and sota, where the perpetrator is forced to drink water. What happens with sota when they force her to drink water? If she's guilty, by the way, I always have to mention this so there's no mistakes made. Sota is voluntary. We have a whole sheer on it. No one had to submit themselves to sota. It was completely voluntary. If a person, whatever, but not, it's if another sheer. But let's say somebody allowed themselves to go to the sota procedure, they would have to drink. You can't go through it and then refuse to drink. And what would happen theoretically if the woman had had adultery with somebody against her husband's will after a warning and to aid him and then all of that stuff? And she actually did it. Obviously, she wouldn't go to Sota because you know what would happen. But so if she was innocent, which means she she secluded herself after the warnings, after everything, but she didn't actually consummate anything. She actually didn't do the sin of Ishasish. So nothing would happen. So she would drink the water and that would be it. Now, she had to drink the water. But theoretically, if she was guilty, what would happen when she drank the water? Her stomach would, ex would expand, right? Now, what happened? But And then it fall apart, whatever, explode. What about the eagle? Remember Moshe made the people drink, the Levine went around and made everybody drink. And what happened? Same thing. What is the link between Egil and Sota? Infidelity. Beautiful. Infidelity. They're both infidelity. Okay. So here, Moshe, this is a Bodhisattva 44 Egmar. Moshe ground up the calf, intending only to inspect them like a Sota. Okay. In other words, like a woman suspected by her husband of having been unfaithful, such a woman is compelled to drink water containing the ground up ink from a scroll of Torah passages relating to a Sota woman, which causes her to die if she's unfaithful. Okay. It similarly exonerates her and bestows blessing upon her if she was faithful. Similarly, Moshe ground up the calf in order to compel the people to drink to cause the guilty parties to die. What is happening here? When Hamosha heard Hashem say, the Hishkisa es ha'am, you shall cause them to drink. What did Moshe hear? Only the strong, strong of faith are going to enter Eretz Anybody here who sees that Oslo B'nai Mary, and they don't calm down, and they don't reframe, and they don't find it within themselves to say, okay, okay, we lost ourselves, let's go back. What do we do now when there's no order? We daven, okay, which is really what Hashem told Moshe, go to the rock and speak, daven. 
show them that when you have it, Sarah, you dive in. That's the lesson, okay? But here's what's going to happen. For those that are on the Madrega, they're going to get water and it's going to be fine. But for those that are not on the Madrega, they're not going to survive this. You're going to cause everybody to drink and you're going to have to distinguish now between those that are on the Madrega to go into In other words, they're able to operate from a place of sophisticated, more mature, and Muna understanding how to relate to Kodesh Baruch They're not babies anymore. Moshe, do something now or we'll kill you, okay? They're not like a, a, a child having a temper tantrum. They're Amisrael who understands what to do with Nisyonos, all right? You're going to have to test them. So Moshe sees that he is being asked by Kodesh Baruch to facilitate, I hate to use the word, but a selection between who's right, who's a tzaddik, and who's a Russia. And Moshe's going to cause this. They're all, it's, for, it's the, again, the 40th year. And he's going to give them all to drink. And then he's going to have to cause this whole thing, you know, this whole disaster. And who knows how many people will die. And then who knows if that will cause another rebellion. And Moshe, at the end of all his hard work for Amishol, this is the, the frustration, you could say. He could not find it in himself to be the shaliach for this sort of, of, of punishment to Amishol. He just couldn't do it. After everything he invested, everything he hoped for, standing on the, on the, on the edge of Eretzishol to cause them, okay, you're right, there were people among Amishol who weren't worthy. He said, why did you bring us up? We're not on the Madrega. And you know, Moshe probably felt, let me get them in Teretzishol and they'll, they'll grow. They'll grow, they'll grow, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll be inspired. They'll get into it, give them a little more time. So here Moshe says, he shows them Oslo B'nai Mary. Then he puts it down, says, I am not going to speak to the rock and extract water and do this whole thing picks up his own mata like he used 40 years earlier to do nisim. And he went back to infancy. Okay, I'll bang the rock. And like, that's how children learn, you know, like dramatic, you know, not the, the children are not inspired by ideas and by speech and by prayer. They want, you know, you know, in like more visual, clear. So Moshe goes back. He says, if you're still going to behave like babies, I'm going to treat you like babies. But that's, you know, and, and he hits the rock. But when he does what he, when he refuses to participate in this, Moshe is in a sense, distrusting, so to speak, a Kodesh Baruch Hu's superior wisdom. Now, I shouldn't say those words, but he doesn't want to participate in what to Hashem is the right thing, which is a virtual, let's say it's like another Holocaust that Moshe is going to facilitate personally. I can't do this. I am not going to do this. I'm out. So Moshe says no. And this explains what Hashem said to Moshe. This, this is, this is, it opens it up. Yan lo be you did in heaven muna. What sort of emuna was required of Moshe now? To trust that me now creating another magefa, another play, another disaster select, you know, causing people to drink, having who knows how many people die, that would have been the right thing to do. You, you know what it, kind of emuna it would need trust for Moshe to accept that now another 
absolute tragedy, annihilation was a good thing. It would be a Kiddush Hashem. It's very hard. Moshe was their leader, you know? And even though obviously it was the right thing to do because Hashem said so, Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm out. I'm not doing this. I can't do this. And Hashem said, you should have had a Muna, more trust that it was the right thing to do. It would have been a Kiddush Hashem. How is a human being supposed to, in any way possible, process or accept or come to peace with the idea that that's a good thing and that's a Kiddush Hashem and that you should do it, you should make it happen. Not if anyone, listen, maybe somebody who doesn't care about Amishol would be able to talk like that. Okay, but if you care about Amishol, you can't. How could you do it? So Moshe is not, Moshe is hitting the rock here, saying from this rock, do you think I'm gonna bring out water? Moshe was saying, this. Moshe was exhibiting the utmost self-sacrifice, altruism, love, loyalty to Amishol. There's no greater expression of it. I will not do this. And you know what Moshe said? You're all gonna go into Eretz Yisrael and I'm gonna trade places with you. And I'm not, but you're all gonna go in. I'm gonna die here. I'll die in the Midbar because I did this, but you are gonna go into Eretz Yisrael. And I, and, you know, and I can't, I, I, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu traded places with Amishol. Now, just have to say a few unbelievable things. That makes other, so many other things Moshe said about this incident make sense. For example, in Hazinu, where Moshe is talking to Amishol, he says, Al Asher, uh, uh, Hashem said to Moshe, and Moshe was repeating this to Amishol. Hashem said, Al Asher Ma'al Tembi Besoch Mariva. <laughs> you, you committed a me'ila against me in May Mariva. You know what a me'ila is? Me'ila is, is when you take something designated for Kedusha, something devoted, dedicated to the Mishkan, and you use it for a mundane purpose. Moshe took the mata, okay? He held it up, but he was supposed to use it in order to, you know, give the people an opportunity for those that would, you know, get a hold of themselves to kind of reframe and, and stop complaining. And those that wouldn't to go through this whole selection, unfortunately. And he didn't use it for that. He didn't use it for that. He held it up and he says, I'm not doing it. And he put it down. So Hashem said, that's a me'ilo. The only word for me'ilo is when you take something, you don't use it for its purpose. Hashem says, Alashir ma'altimbi. That's you, you did a me'ilo, you didn't use it for its purpose. Okay. You didn't create a greater Kedusha. Kedusha is Mufrash. Mufrash means Hashem is separated, which means a few things. It means that we don't understand the great mind of God. It's separated from us. And at the same time, it means that we don't really fully appreciate that this world is part of a greater reality. And that when a Kodesh the mind of God, which is incomprehensible, says something's good, it's good. I said, you didn't do that. Another example. Look what Moshe says to Amishol at the same time in Devarim earlier. Gambi hisanev Hashem. Hashem was angry at me. But one second, what's the source of the word hisanev? If you see the af in there, okay, so, you know, Hashem is angry at me. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll leave. I was going to say something else. 
Biglalchem. What does Biglalchem mean? Biglalchem, who's angry at me for your sake. In other words, this was for your sake. And a Kodesh Baruch who got angry at me, so Hashem doesn't get angry, meaning Hashem showed that I did the wrong thing, but it was for your sake. And the greatest proof of all that what Moshe did was a thousand percent altruistic and it's a model of leadership, loyalty, devotion, compassion is in our piyutim on Hoshana Rabbah for water, okay? Asking Hashem for water. Look what we say. Laman Neman Bayis. Who's the one who's called Bechol Basi Neman who? My whole house is the most trustworthy. <laughs> Moshe. Laman Neman Bayis. For the sake of Neman Bayis, that's Moshe. Maspik Mayim, who provided water for the nation. Selahach. He hit the rock. In the sake of Moshe, for the sake of Moshe, who hit the rock. Have Rahmanas on us. You hear that? Save us and give us Yeshua for the sake and the merit of Moshe who hit the rock. Okay, now look at this. Look at the third one. Laman Pukad For the sake of the one who was Pukad, that's Aaron, the one who was chosen, that's his staff. Tzameyim Lahashkosa Mayim that they were thirsty and they gave them water. This is both a reference to Moshe and Aaron at the main Mariva. Moshe and Aaron are both involved. Moshe and Aaron both die in the middle because there's Aaron's staff also and he's like, well, I'm not doing it either. So what we're seeing here is an idea that, um, that you're looking at not simple anger. You're looking at a frustration 40 years of teaching, and they say, why did you elevate us? It's too much you're asking of us. Moshe's frustrated. He worked very hard. Let's say, I don't even want to say he's frustrated. It's not my place to give him, tell him, tell him what he was feeling. Mufarshim say he was angry. But it's, an, it's, uh, it's hard to use the word anger. My grandfather doesn't use the word anger as much as, um, as Moshe had a decision to make. Should I, should I ensure that only the superior, spiritually superior ones enter Eretz Yisrael. Now, what would have happened had Moshe ensured that? Maybe there wouldn't have been a korban. Maybe there would have never been a korban. Maybe there would have never been all the problems. Because the, right? But at the same time, you're asking me to kill with my own hands, essentially, all these people that I raised up for 40 years, right? And here, Moshe as a leader, well, or to facilitate that, Moshe says, um, no. and as we said, um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, it, you didn't have the Amuna. But if Moshe didn't have the Amuna here, could anyone have that sort of Amuna? If a person questions a Holocaust, my grandfather always said, somebody's upset, questioning it, frustrated, left religion. How could you, you know, it's hard to have Amuna that this is a good thing. It's very hard. In fact, in Sefer Eov, we learn that um, Ein, Eov said a lot of things when he, was, when he was down and out, and he was totally down and out. He lost everything, right? He's Eov, it's the famous Job. And he said, he said, there's no Olam Haba, there's no Scharva Onesh, there's no Tchesa Mesim, there's no nothing. He, he blasphemed everything. 
Okay, he denied everything. Chazal tell us multiple times. Okay, um, it says, um, it says, Ein Adam Nitpas Bashas Kaso. A person is not held accountable for what they, the outburst at the time of their kas. Kas, kas doesn't mean anger. It means great distress. Tremendous distress when your mind can't think straight, which we're going to talk about next week in Mirza Hashem about crying and Hashem crying and what it means when we're all confused. But it says, Ein Adam Nitvas Bashas Kas. So a person's not held accountable when they're angry. Angry is confused. They're so, they're so burdened by, by the, by the um, frustration of what they're going through and they say things and they're not held accountable. They're not held accountable. We have Sefer Eov in our Tanakh to teach us that when a person is suffering and they have outbursts, it's not just to, not wrong. You're, they're not held accountable. And it's a safer in Tanakh of a person who is a tzaddik, the greatest tzaddik on earth, who denied everything about God. You talk about outbursts, total everything. Except that God exists and what he's doing obviously had a reason, but, he's, but, he, but he denied all the basics of Amun. And it's a safer in Tanakh. So the honest part, and keep this in mind as we begin to talk about this uh, next week and your and uh, and Eichen next couple of weeks, there is a reality of honesty, of pain and suffering, of the inability of the human being to comprehend the ways of God, of being completely overwhelmed by the tragedy, of protesting and saying, "I can't do this. I can't process this. I can't play a role in this." And Moshe did that. And yet, on the piyutim of Hoshana Rabbah, we ask for Rachmanus and Hatzlacha in the zechus of Moshe, because there's no greater love and loyalty and devotion than Moshe displayed at Meimariva. Okay, and let's just do that. Let's zoom out for a second. You know, this is as we said, and we've learned this many times. A very fundamental cornerstone of our philosophy: the Rav Tzadok idea of the childhood emerging adulthood. Okay, Amishol are shifting, as we said, from infancy, like toddler stage, to, to developing maturity, Eretz Yisrael. And it's very stressful. And I found a beautiful piece of a friend. Brings, this is, a, you can click on the link because it's just a tiny piece. But Simcha Zissel, you've heard of him, he offers a very important insight into human nature, which is very important for us to know, vis-a-vis -vis ourselves, our children. Years one and years 40 were years of transition. They were going from one stage into the next. They left Egypt when they were slaves, and shortly thereafter, they became a divine nation. The journey from the 49th level of impurity to receiving the Torah is a year of tremendous spiritual upheaval and transition in their lives. Now, on the verge of entering Eretz they also faced traumatic transition. They were about to go from an existence of eating mud, drinking water that flowed from a rock, to a normal existence, having, having to plant, hoe, plow, make business deals, and take care of their families. Again, they faced transition. And the, the initial reaction was, was just, was just you know, they, they, a meltdown. And what Moshe was supposed to teach them is that we're going from a stage of like child, real infancy where mommy, you know, shows you like you hit the doll, you know, that, that you, that, or the shelf that you banged your head into, so you smack it, right? Moshe is explaining to them now, you are going to have to transition from me, oh, these sort of openness, and there will still be openness in there to show, but a little bit less of a level to words. We're going into an era of development where words are going to have to inspire you. Words are going to have to lead you. We're going into a transition where you will be moved by the words of the Navi. 
more than miracles. There will be miracles, but that's not going to really make the change in your life. We all know. If I had a thousand people in the audience and I said, how many people here can say they had a miracle happen? All the hands will go up, every single hand. But that doesn't really change us. What changes us is the ideas that we listen to. The words have to change us, the concepts. We're shifting into the beginning of maturity is shifting from, from, from you know, um, dem physical de visual demonstrations of things to concepts, to ideas that heal, ideas that guide, ideas that inspire. That had to be the transition. And there's a lot spoken about. Maral spends a lot of time in this. Moshe had to elevate them now to a place through speaking to the rock, as we said, where they would understand that it's time to open their ears to ideas to and to speak tefillah and to learn. And Moshe understood that not everybody can do that. And there would be some people that couldn't do that. And those people would not make it. And it was for those weakest links that Moshe sacrificed himself for the weakest links. Because Hashem promised you're going to hold up the thing. You're going to say, Shemu na Mary. And it says, they're going to stop complaining and they won't die. They would, that was a promise. But there were some who wouldn't. And Moshe sacrificed himself for the weakest links of Am Yishol. Now, here we are today with all the back and forth and all the whole long complicated journey, but we're here. Who says we're not from those weakest links? Do we know? Who, who does know? Maybe those weakest links today, you know, over thousands of years found strength. You know, Moshe saw that. You know, Moshe saw that, that uh, he had hope for that. In any case, this is my grandfather's gem, glittering gem. Amazing, amazing piece. And for all of us, we should be Zoha. The takeaway here, Tanya, always makes me remember to do a takeaway. Strive for inspiration, Shefa, which means guidance and clarity. Don't say, God, do me a miracle. We don't do that in some Kalanes. Run to Mikubalam to do miracles. No. Run to other people to Davin. No. But the message is here speak. Speak to the rock. Where's what's the rock? If our heart is a rock, if our inside ourselves we feel it's a rock, it's not inspired, it's not warm, it's not alive, speak to it, teach it, share ideas, learn, don't spend a day without learning, open our minds and by extension our hearts to concepts and ideas that heal and that guide us. Don't look for quick fixes, you know, don't run and say, do me a miracle, it's not how we work. Rather, we speak. We speak to the rock. <laughs> All right, and we push ourselves. Yeah. So I don't Beth Bennett. It might work with your grandfather. And I love this idea when he said such a beautiful thing that Moshe had a hard time being part of the selection. But maybe because he says, Maybe he was trying to include B'nai Israel in the process of their own things, and it was too soon. And Hashem says, Israel. He was supposed to use the site. He was, he was supposed to role model for them, and he was including them. He was supposed to use them. Well, it's very interesting what you're saying. Beth is saying something very interesting because only regarding Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a whole separate topic. In fact, Heshi wrote a whole article on it. Only regarding Moshe Rabbeinu, where all the Nisim referred to as Le'enei Kol Yisrael. 
So whenever Moshe did something, his nisim were so transformative, and his nevua and his nisim, which always went together, that they, uh, they affected Amishol completely. So you're right. It's, there is an implication here that all of Amishol needed to see the transition, how you would speak, and the rock would respond to speaking. Everyone needed to see it. And they also, part of that was that they also <laughs> would see that those that weren't up to level wouldn't make it that it was not exactly like it was do or die. You know, it wasn't so optional. You had to get up there or you weren't going to make it. And then Mahashem wanted Moshe to show them that. Show them how important it is to open your mind and your, and your heart to ideas and to concepts and to the inspiration of the Nevi'im. You know, I want to tell you something. So I, um, a shout out. There's a podcast that I listen to when I'm on my bike usually. Um, it is a fabulous podcast. It's called Sfarim Chatter. Okay. Different authors of different Sfarim. So I, uh, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I just listened to a interview with uh, Dr. Yael Ziegler, who's the head of Matan or something. And I don't know where she's the head of something. Matan? Yeah. Anyway, she had such a beautiful insight into Eicha. I'm going to share with you, Mr. Shem, soon. It was fabulous. But anyway, last yesterday, I was listening to Rabbi Yeshua Hartman. You know, Cheskel Hartman here, his father. He wrote, he, he put out the Sifrei Maharal with Rashi, an unbelievable work. And he was speaking about, he was being interviewed about his, you know, his project, the Sifrei Maharal, and about the Maharal in general. And they asked him about the Golem. Okay. Now, although strangely, Lubavitcher does make reference to like a golem. Okay. There's absolutely no evidence that there's a golem. In fact, the 99.9% evidence is that there was a guy named Dito Rosenberg who wrote a book in the late 1800s called the stories of the Morella. And he had, he put in this golem story, which is probably too completely invented fantasy that never happened. In the meantime, um, it was a fictional book, totally fictional. Okay. Now the Maral lived in the late 1500s. He died in 1609. He's famous for the golem, okay, which probably never existed. But what he's less famous for is the Sifrei Maharal. What Sifrei Maharal are about, and we've done a lot of Maharal here. Maharal goes into the Agadatas, which I'm we're going to do more next week. The Agadatas, like we did last week, that they suspected Moshe of Eishasish. What does that even mean? It doesn't mean literally in what Hazal were saying. He wasn't sharing the intimate aspects of Torah that he uniquely had access to with Amishol. He was like being intimate with everyone's bride, right? Whatever. Okay. So the morale is all about the Sifrei morale, defend, explaining the Agadatas, what they really mean. Okay. Going deeper and deeper. Why am I telling you all this? Because um, how did I just segue into this? Oh yeah. Not looking for miracles. Everybody loves a golem, but the ideas of the morale that explains you what Chazal are saying so that you could think deeply and be inspired that's less known <laughs> obviously not by scholars but by the hamonam it's not golems and crazy magical superman stories and do me a miracle that is the secret to amishol survival not the not the last three thousand years maybe the first a thousand we had a lot of miracles but not the last two and a half thousand and even even in time of basin migdash that wasn't what it was it was living by our conscience by our values, by our truths, that we will refuse to give up. That's why we're here. Yeah. Moshe destroys the luchos, and that's not considered an anger. Right. And right. Good point. Sandy's saying Moshe destroyed the luchos, and, and he's not blamed for having anger. That right. Well, they were really for Amishol. So, so I don't know. Like, again, you can't think of Moshe's head, but maybe. 
because we did that, we could extrapolate. Oh, I can also not listen. I maybe maybe similar type of thing. Hashem said Yeshikoacha, you you destroyed the so. All right, everybody. Have a beautiful week. Huh? I'm next week. Next Mir Tashem. We're next or in the next two weeks when we start getting into Shavasar Batamas and the Echa. Yeah. Okay, everybody. I'm gonna end the recording, but I'll stay on the meeting. <laughs>